the Ukrainians as the, as, as the nation and, and our brothers and sisters as part of this, of this nation have been going through very intense suffering. And in all of this, I see many Christians who are motivated to share the gospel as never before. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face oppression, imprisonment, displacement, and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We are in this together with them, and we need to hear their voice. Join host Kenneth as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is fast approaching its second anniversary. Ukrainians have suffered greatly during that time, and for evangelical Christians in the occupied parts of the country, things have been particularly difficult. In last month's Voice podcast, we spoke to Maciek from our sister ministry in Poland, which has been supporting Ukrainian Christians. If you've not yet listened to that edition, please do go to our website, releaseinternational.org, where you can find the podcast under our Resources tab. Last month, Maciek spoke about ways in which evangelical pastors have been targeted by the Russian forces and many church buildings confiscated. In this month's edition, we continue our conversation with Maciek as he tells us how our sister ministry is working to assist Ukrainian Christians. He also offers us some valuable suggestions for how you can pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So all of this, as you say, has happened in, in, in a comparatively short space of time. Uh, the church, the evangelical church, certainly in that, that south and southeastern part of Ukraine, has effectively, as you've described it, become an underground church in a, in a very short space of time. So tell us a little bit more about the work that Von Poland is doing. You, you touched on that earlier, saying that you're seeking to support the church and pastors and so on. Given the, the, the situation that you've just described, strategically, what have you been endeavouring to do uh, to equip and to support uh, evangelical Christians and the church in that part of Ukraine? Yes, so as the voice of the persecuted Christians in Poland, that's, that's the name of our mission, uh, we've made regular trips to Ukraine because we believe that we need to be where our brothers and sisters are. We, we need to have boots on the ground and really need to know firsthand what's going on. So our information about the situation in Ukraine is something that we either have seen with our own eyes or we've talked to eyewitnesses. So I think we have like very, because of this, we have like, I believe very solid, you know, uh, information about persecution of Christians in the occupied territories by, by Russians. I personally vis visited Ukraine four times, spent there 35 days. I was in, in Kherson, near Bakhmut, in Kharkiv, in the eastern part of Ukraine, in Kiev, in many other places, and um, ministering alongside Ukrainians. So that's what we do. We want them to feel that we are with them. And it's very important for them. I don't know how UK people think, how, how <laughs> English people, Scottish people, all others uh, think, but we are Slavic nations and we are very relational. So it's so important for us to have a relationship. 
and to spend time in somebody's kitchen talking over late at night, you know, things like this. So they they told me that the the support that they receive from us when we personally meet with them is more important for them than anything else we could provide. But of course, we also provide support for believers who became victims uh, of the Russian persecution. We've done it, of course, uh, in different ways. Uh, some are uh, things that we cannot tell publicly um, because of the level of the persecution uh, in the occupied territories. We also serve with uh, different uh, leaders, evangelical leaders, pastors, uh, whom we call our frontline workers. We have seven people like this. Only one of them is Polish who goes there regularly and others are Ukrainians, and we also have a few others, but seven are like main, our main contacts, and, and they minister, um, most of them minister in, in the very hot spots in, in Ukraine, you know, in the territories where the, uh, that, were, that, that have suffered from, from the war a lot, or they, were, they used to be under the occupation. Like, the needs are great in, in these parts of Ukraine, and uh, they preach the gospel, they bring aid, and many people respond to the gospel in these areas. I personally, like, uh, God used me to, to, to bring, like, around 300 Ukrainians to Christ at different meetings. They are very, very open, you know, and, and we hear such testimonies from, from different, different places, especially, you know, in the territories where, where there used to be occupation or close to the war uh, front line. And we also... Uh, support uh, a selected group of uh, around 30 IDP Christian families. These are the families that had to flee from the from the war zones or from from the occupation. In many cases, they lost everything. You know, their houses destroyed, their apartment building is destroyed, and then they settled in 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 the western Ukraine. And, and through our frontline workers, we've been able to select them and support them a little bit financially. Because one thing that we need, what we need to understand about Ukraine is that in the territories controlled by the Ukrainian government, especially like the central Ukraine and, uh, and the western Ukraine, you know, uh, you know, there is like plenty of food, for example. Uh, the stores are packed with goods, but the problem is that many people cannot afford it. So, uh, so we try to support these IDPs a little bit so that they could have a relatively stable lives in, where, in the places where they've where they live and um, and just in in September we organized our first uh, retreat for traumatized Ukrainian believers because we see this great need there because this war has had a huge huge impact on, on the psyche of people and uh, it's uh, you know when you are there you know I, I spent there only 35 days I was alone without my family but it it did affect me and and the pressure that they are under, the way Russians terrorize the whole nation, because you know these long-range missiles that they can send anytime, anywhere, destroy any building, uh, they don't care. So the pressure, the pressure is there. You know, tens of thousands of young Ukrainian men, including many Christians, got killed in combat, and there are so many widows in in, in Ukraine and and the persecution level is also high so many people went through this hell you know under the under russian occupation so we see the level of trauma is very high so we want to 
minister to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, those who got persecuted, those who work in the war zones, those who served tirelessly, those who had to escape, so that, you know, we could relieve them a little bit so that they could minister back to, to their nation. So we see it as very something very important. And this uh, retreat was a great success. We had 25 Ukrainians and a team of uh, 10 people, uh, including one lady from the UK, uh, from our distant relative from UK, and she plays flute beautifully. And, and this music was really therapeutic for, 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 the, uh, for the believers. And we had a professional you know, people from uh, from the U.S. You know, ministering, you know, experience in working with trauma victims and with in a very difficult situations. So, so it was a great success, and we hope to continue it. And to uh, and we still remember a few of those who are who live in Poland. The situation in Poland with the refugees is basically stable, but still there are some people that we we support. Not many. One of them is Olga, and she's a widow, and her husband got killed in the beginning of the war. And he was, uh, as a volunteer, he was evacuating people from the war zone because he was a taxi driver. And Russians, you know, stopped him and brutally killed him. And so she was left with two children, and she escaped to Poland. So we befriended her. She's a great evangelist. She uses her testimony to bring many Ukrainians to Christ. So we support her a little bit. So that's basically how we work. We look for the unmet needs, you know, and we constantly um, adopt our methods and, and our focus, you know, so that's basically our work now. And, you know, we, we are so thankful to Release International for, for, supporting our, for supporting our work, especially, you know, our work with the persecuted, with uh, our ministry, with the frontline workers, and also like this retreat. So we are really thankful to to you and to all the donors in in, in UK. It's we we couldn't do without you. Thank you. That's good to hear that. And I was interested to hear you mentioning about the retreat that that you've been running and and uh, dealing with with trauma, because I I, I was going to ask you. Um, in one sense, of course, none of us knows uh, how long this war is going to continue or what the outcome might be. But in a nutshell, how would you describe the impact? That, that all of this has had on the church in general in Ukraine, not just the church in, in the difficult areas, but the church in general in, in Ukraine. How, how has the war impacted them? Uh, I think uh, they've uh, experienced great suffering, enormous suffering, you know, and uh, all over Ukraine. Because even, you know, the Western Ukraine is relatively peaceful, like, in the, like you know, only from time to time, you know, some missile hits and kills some people. But when you go there, it's relatively stable and peaceful and you could have a relatively normal life. <laughs> but that's only on the surface. But, you know, tens of thousands of, of fathers, brothers, sons are on the front lines. You know, and without them, you know, Ukraine would, would have collapsed and, you know, Russia would have taken over. So they defend their families and many, many of them get killed. So I heard numerous times from our brothers and sisters in the Western Ukraine how hard it is for them to go to another funeral of somebody they loved or somebody they knew. And when you go around Ukraine, you see 
in many, many places, villages, towns, cities, like, uh, like big pictures of those who, who, who got killed in combat. And you come closer and you see young guys, you know, or men in their 30s or 40s, and you look at these beautiful faces and you, and you don't see any Nazis there, you know. <laughs> no Nazis, you know, regular people. You can see that they were fathers, brothers, you know, hardworking people. And you can see in their eyes and they just got killed. And so, and then you go and you see cemeteries and every time you go, we go, we see more and more graves of soldiers. It's easy to recognize them because at every grave, there's a flag, Ukrainian flag and more and more of them. So it traumatizes the whole nation, you know, it traumatizes the whole nation. And, um, and, and it's a great, and it's also a huge spiritual war. And because like, the strong demonic spirits are behind this war and 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 for example you know a great suffering for ukrainians is the fact that many of their relatives or close friends who live in russia they side with putin and they don't believe them so somebody from ukraine may call his brother or sister who who lives in, in russia and he's trying to tell them about their suffering and they say we don't believe you it's not right that's not true so that 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 also breaks their their hearts, you know. Uh, so you know that they that even their close friends or relatives don't believe them, you know. Don't uh, don't do anything to help them. So that's that's a great great uh, great suffering. Then another part of the suffering is that, you know, with the, with this huge wave of refugees, eight million or more, left Ukraine, mostly women and children. The families are separated, you know. Men are still in Ukraine, either in, on the front line or ministering somewhere in Ukraine if they are pastors, but their families are very far away. And it, it's also a great, a great pain for them. So we need to understand that Ukrainians as the, as, as the nation and, and our brothers and sisters as part of this, of this nation have been going through very intense suffering. So we really need to have grace and mercy on them. They are not perfect. Ukraine is not perfect, you know, but they've gone uh, and they've, they've gone through a great, through great, for great suffering and it's still there. And yes. And uh, in all of this, I see many Christians who are motivated to share the gospel as never before. And, uh, you know, I, I think in, in, in the eastern part of Ukraine, in the southern part of Ukraine, in many places where there used to be a Russian occupation, there's like a spiritual revival. You know, the churches are now packed with people. You know, only, only few came back. They are newcomers. They are seekers. Uh, so that, that's, that's amazing what's, what's going on there. And uh, people open their hearts to the gospel in, in, in places that were closed before the war. So the church is, uh, evangelical church, many, many of these churches are really well organized and they, they are committed to minister to their nation, to their local communities. And the authority of evangelicals in many parts of Ukraine has grown a lot through this war because people see how sacrific sacrific sacrificially they serve. One Polish reporter came to Ukraine and he spent over a hundred days there and a month in the Donbass area, you know, the, the hottest part of Ukraine, you know, around Bakhmut, 
and he said that he that he found no hope there. It was the darkest place all over Ukraine. And uh, but he said there was one exception, and then he said Protestant churches, which he meant evangelical churches. He said there are quite a few of them there, and they are like like oases of love and warmth, and they minister to to their nation. So even this guy from Poland, who who was not evangelical, he had no agenda, you know, to promote eva evangelical scene. He 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 was just reporting what was going on there. He saw it. And I can I can confirm it, you know. So that, that's 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 really amazing. That's encouraging to hear, isn't it? How God can use uh, the most severe of afflictions, the the worst of circumstances, to to bring about His good purposes. And God has always done that, I guess, down down through the centuries, hasn't He? So with that in mind, then Maciek, um what should Christians in the UK be praying for? How how, sh how should we pray? And what should we pray for? when we pray for Christians in Ukraine? I would say, uh, first of all, I would pray for endurance for them. Because as I already mentioned, you know, the war has been taking huge toll on them. And and then they really need to know that they are not forgotten. That's so important. Because, you know, for us, you know, it's like, oh, it's the war in Ukraine again and again. But for them, it's day-by-day day reality. And each day is harder for them. You know, maybe for us, it's easier because we got used to all this information from Ukraine. But for them, each day is harder than the previous day. So we need to stand with them. They need to know that we love them, that we pray. It's much more important than any finances we can send. You know, uh, prayer... Uh, and endurance for them. Then trauma recovery, you know that that's gonna be huge. That's gonna be huge in Ukraine. I, I think every every Ukrainian will need some kind of trauma recovery, trauma relief, and most probably it's gonna be the main focus of our mission in the coming years. How to really minister to these people, and so that they could minister to their nation. And uh, and we need to pray for workers. Uh, because, uh, you know, there's lack of workers to take care of many new converts and many new, more, more seekers, like tens of thousands of them. They are, you know, filling the churches. And, uh, and uh, Ukrainian evangelical church is going also through this period of, like, cleansing and reformation. You know, many pastors uh, left. They, they never came back. So some people are hurt because of it. Then others realize, oh, our teaching was wrong before the war. We need to change something. Our structure was was wrong. So now th there's this also like, I would say, reformation movement within evangelical church. What what should we do? What should we change? How we should, what how we should minister to our nation? So so they need they need resources. Uh, they need workers, they need encouragement, so that they could stand up to this huge challenge that is ahead of them. You know, how to be a vital part in this new Ukraine, in rebuilding Ukraine, so that, you know, Christ could reach to many hearts in Ukraine. And uh, and it's going to be a long process, but but many of them are ready for it. They are They are there. But but they cannot do it alone. We need to stand with them, and we need to 
it, it needs to be a long-term commitment from our side, you know. That's great. Well, there's plenty of uh, food for prayer there uh, for folks who've been listening as you've been uh, sharing on the situation um, in Ukraine. So, Maciek, thank you again. Thank you for taking the time to be with us on this edition of The Voice podcast. And may the Lord continue to bless you in your ministry. Oh, thank you for having me. It was an honor for me to, to, to spend this time with you. God bless you. In the letter of James, we read, Behold, we consider those blessed who have remained steadfast. In the New Testament, we frequently see the challenge to endure, either in the face of false teaching within the church or through persecution from outside the church. As Maciek said, evangelical Christians in the occupied areas of Ukraine need our prayers to endure. At the same time, how encouraging it is to hear him speak of enthusiastic gospel witness and of the openness of many to hear that gospel. Let's pray that our sovereign God continues to build his church in Ukraine, even in the face of war. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Voice Podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app so you can stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. We'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast too, so please do share your comments with us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then you can subscribe on our website at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them 